Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon, here to bridge the gap between therapists and clients. We are your companions on your journey to build your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've created a free email course on our website. Head over to shrinkthink.com forward slash podcast, where we've got practical steps on overcoming fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hey, I'm Whitney Owens. If you haven't heard about me, I am the person behind the Wise Practice Podcast, which is part of the Sightcraft Network of Podcasts. I am so proud to be a part of this network, along with Aaron and Nathan, and the good work that they are doing to help people on their journey. If you haven't discovered the Wise Practice Podcast, you can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd love for you to join us as we explore how to grow a faith-based practice that brings you the income you need, and the lifestyle you want. So be sure to check out the podcast and other helpful information at WhitneyOwens.com. There you will learn more about the Wise Practice community, how to become a member, as well as information on the 2023 Wise Practice Summit, where Aaron and Nathan, along with ShrinkThink, are sponsors. Hey everyone, welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. Here we are on video again. Uh, we just started a YouTube channel in case you hadn't heard. If you didn't know, now you know. We have a YouTube channel. It is Shrink Think on YouTube. Uh, I don't know what the exact link is. Nathan was asking me, I was like, I don't, we're Shrink Think. I don't know. Um, but you can find us out there. We'll put a link in the show notes here so that you can find us. We are excited to uh, be on video. It's funny. A lot of people have told us, like, you guys should do video. And I'm like, and that's because they haven't seen me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, mm, I think there's some things you don't know. <laughs> right. Maybe you should know. Now I wear clothes. <laughs> yes. Now you have to wear clothes. We have previously been recording all of our episodes naked. So I think that's why they. It's been... inspiring. Yeah, it's inspiring. Yes. <laughs> um, no, we have not. Uh, but no, people have told us that we should do video. I think just because they want to see the banter between you and I, we've been friends for a long time. So I think that comes through and it's a lot of fun. I, there are so many times where we're laughing or like one of us is doing something that you can't see on the podcast. So now you can see it. Boom. There it is. So today on the podcast, we are talking about, uh, this whole when people go to therapy, a lot of times, if you've been to therapy a lot, or if you've got certain diagnoses that you carry uh, that may be more significant or maybe harder to fight or whatever, maybe more long term, kind of more chronic, it's easy for people, I think, to own their identity, or, or I should say, own their diagnosis as their identity. And so, what that means is people will come into therapy and they'll say, like, Hi, my name is Johnny and I'm bipolar. Or, hi, my name is Susie, and uh, I'm a trauma survivor, or something like that. Um, and it's interesting at first, because you're like, okay, thanks for telling me, you know, let's unpack that a bit. And as you get to know the person, it's kind of like you're trying to see who that person is, and you want to kind of like pull the identity, or I should say the, the disorder, apart from them and see like, okay, who is this person before that issue, or maybe underneath that issue. And a lot of times, as you start pulling it away, 
that person's like, no, give me that back. <laughs> Don't take that. <laughs> That's who I am. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so then you're like, oh, okay. Like, how do we deal with this? So we want to talk about this a bit on the podcast today, because I think a lot of people operate this way, maybe even without knowing it. And if you're listening, maybe that's you. And this is your opportunity to be called out or to have some awareness about it. I think for a lot of people, it's a reason why they get stuck in therapy. It's not necessarily because they're not willing to work hard, or they don't have the ability to do whatever needs to be done, or they don't have a good therapist or whatever. It's simply because this thing is happening that is kind of, I don't know, getting in the way, stunting your growth. So let me just open it up. And what are your kind of initial thoughts on this, Nathan? I have a lot of thoughts. Part of it is I'm thinking, okay, where do we start? Because on the one hand, do we start where this whole thing starts? Or do we talk a little bit more about how it's a problem? The reason why I say it is because there is a significant space where there's not a problem with this, you know, like it's not really, it's actually a good thing. So even as I talk through it out loud, we've done the outward processing before, right? Um, if you have not listened to our previous episodes <laughs> on verbal processing to understand Nathan better, please review. <laughs> right. In the beginning, I would say the reason why this typically becomes um, something of significance at some point in therapy is because when a person starts therapy or maybe reading self-help books or something like that, they they encounter like a newness of information that really seems to fit that describes their problem like so it's one of these things where i think for that person all of a sudden you feel understood you feel like oh my gosh this is a thing i okay so it becomes surmountable right because before it goes from an unknown type of fear to like oh i think i might know something about this yeah it's like when your doctor tells you like oh you've got this medical condition or or this is the condition that you have and instead of being like, why am I itchy all the time? Or why can't I sleep? Or why do I have this ache or whatever? Your doctor can say, oh, this is what it is. And it's like, oh, okay, well, now that I know that it's called something, let's do something about it. And that gives you sort of like, not just some ownership of it, but some hope that something can be done about it. Right. Well, and then on top of that, typically you get and you can even develop a treatment plan, right? So if you're the self-help book person, then you stay reading different um, books on the same topic. You end up being like an expert about it. Um, you talk to your friends about it, whatever. Um, in therapy, maybe maybe a different way that that goes is you learn something about it. Then you think, I need therapy. There's This is what these books, what I've learned is that I have to go into therapy in order to fix this. So then you go in and you feel like I'm going to impart this to a therapist. They're going to understand it. We're going to have a plan and we're going to get rid of this thing. But therein lies the problem. <laughs> like it, you You so identify with it in the beginning keeps becoming an identification for you, it will all of a sudden slip in somewhere that it can actually be you. Yeah. And I think, I think for some people, especially if you have had this issue or you've struggled with it for a long time, maybe even like most of your life, um, if it's like the kind of thing where it's like, I've always known myself this way, um, or I can't remember a time where I did not have this issue or I didn't struggle with this thing then in the many ways, it's almost like your name has been, uh, you know, some you've been called Justin your whole life. And then all of a sudden you get this new diagnosis and it's like, your name is David. And it's like, what? Oh, that, yes, that's right. I mean, uh, as I'm saying this, it's a little bit weird, but it's like the Lord <laughs> of the Rings. It's like, you've been called 
uh, Gollum for so long. And then one day it's like, Smeagol? Oh, yeah, that used to be my name once. Except it's in the reverse, where it's like you're owning the Gollum name, you know, the disorder. And now you, who you are is this thing, because that's how you've always known yourself. So one thing that is is typical of when it's probably gone on too long is when you're telling your friends or family, well, you know, because of my disorder, I blah, 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 blah. Um, on the one hand, what you're probably doing is trying to seek understanding and validation from the people around you that this is why you can't do X, Y, Z, or this is why you did do X, Y, Z. Um, but the problem is the more that you tell people that, about that, this is part of the buy-in, the more you're trying to get them to buy into this being part of you, right? So, so they can understand, they can, and then also you're not the weirdo that everybody that you were worried that everybody thinks, right? Because all it is, is this thing. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not that I'm incapable. It's that I have this thing and that's why, or it's not that there's something wrong with me. I just have this thing and that's why. And it makes a lot of sense. So not deviating from where we're going here, but, but I want to talk about this other piece of the puzzle in hypnosis. Like I'm trained in hypnosis. I, I haven't done it with uh, a person for a long time with hypnosis. That sounded weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's funny when you were saying that, I was like, hmm, maybe you could have me on the show and hypnotize me. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> yes, well, I, I do know about that. You guys can write in if you're all like, yes, we want to see you hypnotize. <laughs> I will just tell you, I did have an experience in my uh, senior year of high school. We had like this, you know, whatever the big senior, uh, not trip, but whatever celebration after graduation where we did. This is up in Seattle. We went to like, I don't know, the Seattle Center or something. And there was somebody that was a hypnotist and they asked for volunteers. And I was like, heck, I was like, heck yes, this is going to be, I got to check this out. Did. What is this all I would about? Never do that. And I remember all of it. Um, my friend, Will, I remember was like, when he came out of it, he was like, what just happened? And I'm like, don't you remember anything? He's like, what, did we already do it? <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, it's just funny. Hypnosis yeah. always makes me think of that. Everybody experiences hypnosis different. So it's not uncommon for one person to remember most of it or another person to, to not remember any. Is it like an indication of like mental superiority or? <laughs> okay, no. Let me just say, no. let me just say, Will, he like went into the mental Navy superiority. and he went into like, I can't remember, remember what it was. It would be something like, uh, like astrophysicist or like something like that. It was like, okay, you're way smarter than me. So I'm like, this is like my way of, yeah, but you don't even remember the hypnosis. <laughs> There's the actual reason what this is all, everybody kind of asked this. So I'll just say it. It's it, there is a bit of belief involved in hypnosis, but it is also mainly science because what a person has to be able to do is focus. Gotcha. If you can focus, you can be hypnotized. So people that, um, become ridiculously focused about things like for example your friend when you were growing up as kids and you came over and they were just so into watching a television show that they didn't even hear you saying like hey i just asked you a question those people out like a freaking light like i can get those people doing anything <laughs> anyway can you get me some more coffee <laughs> right you're getting me more coffee and you're so excited to do it <laughs> the person gets up with a big smile on their face and goes anyway not to get too sideways the reason i bring it up is because when i was getting trained they give us a bunch of different examples and they showed stuff on video um your unconscious is kind of like a entirely different person in a way like we've done we've talked about internal family systems and that kind of thing and it is nuts about how 
um, the stuff that is unspoken inside of you actually knows everything. So like kind of like where your intuition is and that kind of thing. Um, I'm not a big Freud guy, but Freud was asked, you know, what's a bigger deal, like the conscious or the unconscious? And he said, well, let me ask you, um, if you have a rider on a horse um, and the conscious is the rider and the unconscious is the horse, which one's more powerful? And then you just sit there. It's like, well, I don't know, like <laughs> because there, there's a, you know, one's aware and one's not. But anyway, um, well, they're both aware in that example, but you know what I'm saying? So uh, my point of bringing that up is one case was shared with us where basically this person came in and went under hypnosis and um, had been clear, cleared of cancer with clear um, scans and everything about 30 days previous or something like that. And the person was getting hypnotized for another reason, just wanted to, you know, whatever they were doing anyway, it doesn't really matter. But the unconscious while they were hypnotized indicated that the cancer was back and it was in the upper left quadrant of their chest. And um, the, the therapist didn't actually know where the cancer was. So um, when the person came to, like comes out of hypnosis, they said, he says to the, the person like, your unconscious is indicating that there, there is more of a problem in your in the upper left side of your chest. And this lady freaked out. Like, she's like, what? That's where my cancer was. And he didn't know that. And so sure enough, she went back in immediately, got a doctor appointment. It had grown to the size of a baseball back like in days. And so they were able to go, they're like, how did you even know this? Because this is impossible. So part of the reason I bring that up is the power um, on the other side of suggestion of being able to suggest things is actually in, incredibly life-changing i'll get i'll give you one more example stanford did a study i don't remember the year they took um 50 people total and they took 25 they they educated all of them on how your body makes t-cells okay and then they took um 25 of them and they put them in one room and 25 and put in another room. And then the 25 that they, the first 25 they took, they said, we want you to concentrate really hard for the next 20 minutes on how to make T cells and just concentrate. In other words, try to make your body make them. And then they, they took the other crowd and they hypnotized them into making the T cells. And what they found was about everybody in the first crowd of concentration, um, they went up a little bit. Um, there was few people that had doubled their T cell count. And then in the other group, um, there was everybody at least doubled their T cell count. And then there were several people that that their T cell count went up by six times. So I bring that all to you because that's just a suggestion, right? So if you are agreeing that this disorder is a part of what's going on and you're saying to yourself, this is my disorder, this is what I do, your your body will align with that. Like it. So the longer that you do it, the more profound it becomes you in a way. Yeah. And along with that, I always tell people I didn't I didn't know that, which uh, it makes a lot of sense. But along with that, um, just kind of more of a, a simple behavioral example of that is uh, we know that the things that we think shape what we say. Right. So if you if you think or believe something, then you will say something and that like reinforces the process. Uh, what you believe. And then the reverse is true. If you repeat something long enough, you actually can come to believe that thing. 
And so if you are repeating over and over again, I am my disorder, I have this disorder, this is my issue, this is who I am, over and over again, you're actually going to be believing that that's true, even though there's a very slight or a subtle word difference from saying, I have this disorder, or I suffer from this disorder, or uh, you know, I struggle with this or whatever, versus I am this. Because one is saying, this is who I am. I have no power over it. There's nothing I can do. It, it is just who I am and always will be. And the other one is saying, no, this is an issue that I'm treating. Right. So like just exactly what you're saying, the first thing I would do is remove the word my. Now, um, here's another weird example. This hypnosis thing. A client went in to a hypnotherapist because, and this was happening at OHSU, um, the OHSU doctor, this person could not see, okay? They went blind and they went blind kind of all of a sudden. And um, they went in to check their eyesight and then the doctor's like, your eyes are fine. Actually, what the doctor did say that, but also then said, this is psychological. You're going to need to go to somebody. So they go to hit this hypnotist and, and the hypnotist doesn't even hypnotize them. The hypnotist just says, I want you to omit the words, I can't see and replace them with, I see just fine. Um, and, and then that was it. It was like, honestly, I, I think it's like a 10 minute conversation. And, um, this person could see again in three days. And so, um, it's like this language thing is a big deal. So if you begin by the first time, I think when you, when you cross over is when you start saying my disorder, because what does that mean? In the same way you would say, this is my car. This is, you know, my kitchen or whatever, like, it needs to become not yours. It's it's something that you are now going to be in opposition to. Like this is a disorder that I suffer from. Right. Or this is an issue that I am treating or an issue that I'm working on in therapy. Right. And so as you begin to switch that, then you begin to have to eat. I mean, the crazy thing about this is that you may actually end up having to grieve the loss of it when you own it so much because it's like, who am I now that I don't have this, you know? And I think now this is a little bit of a paradox, but I think that's actually part of the problem that the entire thing started with, right? You didn't know who you were exactly because what these problems are that you're having. And then you got a label for it. And then you were like, oh, this is who I am. Like, no. And in some ways, it, in some ways, it's kind of true. It's kind of like, oh, this is who I, yeah, but it describes a lot of what your experience has been. But I think the falseness of it, the false narrative of it is that, no, it's not defining who you are. It's just been defining your experience. And then the other thing that you were saying is, sure, yeah, you, you may have to grieve the loss of that thing. And also, the other thing that's going on with that is, uh, and I can't help but think about that like horse and rider analogy, um, but it's something like when you give all your power to the horse, and you're just sitting there, it's like, yeah, you just go wherever the horse wants, you know, like, I'm not holding the reins, because I've said, like, this is my disorder, like the horse owns me. Um, it's a wild stallion. And so sometimes, woo, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like, getting bucked off or whatever. But when you actually grab the reins, and you say, no, 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 this is an issue that I have been working on. It's like you're grabbing those reins, and you are now teaching that unconscious, powerful thing, um, that you actually are the one that has the power. Or in other words, you are taking back your power or picking up your power that maybe you've never had before in your life. And that's a really significant shift in the healing and the change process. 
because you're essentially going from, I don't have any power over this thing. So I can try these interventions, I can do these exercises, I can use these tools, but they're not working. Because guess what? I don't really have the power. I don't really believe it. But sure, I'll like throw a little piece of popcorn at it and see what Oh, it didn't work. Eh, It just kind of bounced off. And you're like, whatever, it didn't work. But when you actually pick up your power, you actually have the ability to now move this thing. And you have a whole lot more power than you previously had to do things that you were not previously able to do. And that's where like some of that, I think, beginning um, change, healing, growth can happen when you get stuck. So first, you got to start petting the horse. You're a horse petter. You know, you got to realize that you're actually on it, right? So that actually there's something going on there. And then it's like... You become the horse whisperer. Oh, yeah. Boom. Anyway, I don't know if you could hear that. <laughs> or see it. Anyway, um, so then then the next... Because you have to find the reins, right? You don't even have the reins. Like, you're like, oh. Well, the thing is that, that I tell people, it's like, no, you do. That They're literally in your lap. You're, all you have to do is pick them up. The power is like, it's not hidden. It's not mysterious. You just have to see and find that, oh, it's right there. And it's been available to me all along. Right. There is kind of this thing where you did maybe have fun randomly when you're on this horse and it's just going wherever it goes. Like, oh, this is kind of cool. I get to see different kind of scenery because you can tune into that rather than the horse. <laughs> and then after a while, like, well, if I grab the reins, then that means that I'm dictating the only thing. And then I won't get to find out all these cool things that I randomly ran into. It's like, no, you you still will, but it'll be different. You'll be in control of it. And in the same way, like, it's kind of interesting as I'm thinking about this, IFS overlates this big time, which is the language, by the way, of hypnosis and IFS is almost identical. Actually, it probably is identical. Um, but so in conclusion, as we kind of head for home, this idea of changing the language, changing how you talk about it, and it's not about like, this has been a significant portion of your life. And knowing that it is important to understand things as how they develop, to, to be able to understand what you struggle with is important. That's why that's why we have labels, um, to be able to know what those are, because then we can understand like how to to work with that. But at some point, it's if it's gone kind of, for lack of a better way to say it, like too far, too much ownership, you have to disown it. It's almost like you have to sell it, say, okay, I'm ready to sell this. You, you have to keep things in their proper lane. Because when you were saying that we have a label for things, we have a label for what that thing is, not a label for who you are. You define who you are based on, you know, who you are as a human being, your history, your experiences, your passions, all that kind of stuff. That's very, very different and separate from the thing that you might suffer from right some from some behaviors or whatever well have a great day everybody thanks for listening to our show don't forget to head over to apple podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcast to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode you can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening. 